Yeah, okay, got that motivation. I like it. Cool, just want to plug that. And I'm gonna move over here. Bring my Oikos drink with me. Essentials, right? How are y'all doing tonight? Yeah? Noise. Well, if you didn't know, I'm Thomas. Everyone say hi, Thomas. Hi, Thomas. Aw, hi, y'all. Well, tonight we're going to talk family tree. See, everyone here has one. Some are messier than others. I remember in the fourth grade when I was supposed to do a family tree project, and I literally had no idea where to begin. You see, I went to my mom, and my mom was like, well, you have my parents and their grandparents. And I was like, cool, wrote that down on a piece of paper, went to my dad, and he was like, these are my parents, these are their grandparents. They're like, cool, wrote down a piece of paper, finished the project, never looked at it again, right? It was fourth grade. I probably lost the paper, threw it away. But you see, I had no idea what that piece of paper meant actually. Like, think about it. There's a whole bunch of stories attached to those names. There's a whole bunch of things that we don't realize, things that had to happen for you to be here sitting in the seat right now. See, I have a whole lot of cousins and uncles and aunts, but I have no idea how they met, the stories they told or the lives that they lived. See, when I was doing a project, all I saw was a piece of paper and not the lives and the stories those names carried. See, I think we do that with the same thing when we look at the genealogy of Jesus. For those of you that don't know, a genealogy is just a fancy word for family tree, right? It basically shows us a person long, long ago and a person now and how we connect those people, you know? How those sons and daughters over time, you know, got to where we are now. So, for example, I am Thomas. We established that, right? I am the son of David, who is my dad. My dad's name is literally David. We're going to talk about King David later, but just to establish that. So I am Thomas, son of David, and my dad is the son of William, who is my grandfather, right? We sort of get that context now. So I only went back like three generations there, but in those three generations, there are stories and testimonies that have been written and that are still being written. Just imagine going back 42 generations. See, Matthew does this awesome thing where in the beginning of his gospel, he shows us all the way back to Abraham and he gets us to Jesus, right? But this is not just another genealogy. You see, the Bible has purpose. The Bible is written with intentionality. You know, God put this in the Bible to show us something, to help us realize something that he wants to show us. And, you know, it will resonate with each and every one of you differently. See, right now we're about to dive into the family tree of our Savior. So we're going to literally focus on the first line and what it's going to tell us. Matthew chapter 1, verse 1, right? The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. See, Matthew intentionally starts out his gospel in this way. This is a savior Israel has been waiting for, the one who's gonna fulfill the covenants that God has made for so many generations. See, Matthew intentionally calls Jesus the son of Abraham, the son of David and the son of Abraham for a reason. And that's to emphasize the point that Jesus was the promised Messiah that they've been waiting for for so, so long. See, if we go into Genesis chapter 12, verse 12, it says, now the Lord said to Abraham, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. See, basically God is saying, you're going to leave 
and you don't have to trust me right now, all right? And I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you, and I will make your name great, so that you will be a blessing, and I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So God called out to Abraham, and he called him out to a kingdom that wasn't his yet. You know, he promised land, but it wasn't his. And God promised Abraham that his family is going to bless families all over the world, all over the world. His lineage is going to bring blessings to everyone around him. You see, looking at Jesus' life, what did Jesus do all the time? This is what you guys say. He blessed people. Nice. Cool. So looking at Jesus' life, he was literally a walking blessing. No, he touched so many lives throughout his journey on earth. And we have relationship with the creator of the universe because Jesus was such a good blessing. You see, Jesus didn't have to die on the cross for us, but he blessed us because he wanted us to have a relationship with God. And, you know, you see a bunch of these things, you know, when you're looking at Old Testament Bible and you see Israel and the rise and fall of Israel multiple and multiple times, you see, you know, this one fatal flaw is that the kings that are ruling Israel are human. You know, they're sinners. Look at King David, for example. King David literally sent a guy to his death because he had inappropriate relations with Bathsheba, right? And then through that came Solomon, the next king. And guess what? He had like 500 wives. And those 500 wives just kept poking at his faith, poking at his religion. See, Solomon was this wise guy. And literally, Israel fell because people were just peering at his faith or like poking at his faith and just putting these thoughts in his mind. And that ultimately led to the fall of Israel again. But you see, there's a covenant with Jesus. You know, Jesus is the promised ruler of Israel. That is never going to fail us. And at the end, Abraham's family is going to bless the entire world. But Abraham isn't the only place where we see this promise being fulfilled. You look at when Jesus was also called the son of David. See, Matthew really enjoys using this phrase during his gospel. And he uses this, this is the first time he uses it out of 10 times through his entire gospel. See, Jesus is mentioned as the son of David. And this does two things for us. First, it shows us Jesus is a member of Israel. Now, King David, ruler of Israel. And then, more importantly, it shows that Jesus is royalty. You know, Jesus is set apart. Jesus is the promised king who is going to come from David's line. See, Acts 13, 22 to 23 says, And when he had removed him, he raised up David to be their king, of whom he testified and said, I have found in David, the son of Jesse, a man after my heart, who will do all my will. Of this man's offspring, God has brought Israel a savior, Jesus as he promised. See, we go back and this is actually referencing something in Old Testament where Saul, who was a king, does something bad. And then Samuel, who was anointing kings at the time, is like, all right, cool. I'm gonna go find David because God has told me to. And in 1 Samuel 13, 14, it says, but now your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart. And the Lord has commanded him to be prince over his people because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you. All right, this brings me to my first point. See, 
through all this, you know, Bible knowledge and Bible trivia that's being thrown at you right now, there's a theme of consistency, you know, a theme of a savior to come through the line of David, a savior that is royalty, but is born in a manger. This brings me to my first point tonight, which is God walks with you. You see, there's a sense of relation here when we think about Jesus being born in a manger, right? No, Mary and Joseph weren't necessarily the richest people. They weren't necessarily the most wealthiest. They didn't have a lot of things. And Jesus ended up being born in a manger, a very lowly place, a humble place. And, you know, there's this sense of relation because if you didn't know, like I'm half British and I'm probably like 500,000th in line to the royal throne in England. And I don't know about you guys, but you know, that doesn't even seem close to like why I need. And you know, God put himself in a position where we could actually relate because we're not royalty. We're not going to understand being in a position of power or authority, but God puts Jesus in the point of loneliness for intentional, intentional purposes. There's a sense that Jesus is walking with us because he came from humble beginnings. See, Mary and Joseph weren't rich and they didn't have everything in the world, yet God still brought up a savior from humble beginnings and rose him up to royalty. And this is why God chose Jesus to be born in a manger. It's so that we can relate to him no matter who we are. You see, he lived a life that we can experience. He was called Emmanuel or God with us, and he's still walking with us today. I want you just to take a moment and think about that, right? You have a God that's literally walking with you. You have a God that's relating to you because he was there at one point. Next, I want to point out that Jesus' family tree, listed in the first chapter of Matthew, reveals a family of misfits, sinners, and dubious people who have made bad choices or had bad reputations. See. He came as one of us rather than a regal king with a perfect bloodline and like a coronation where they just take him and he put a crown on his head, right? No, he was king, but his death and resurrection were the things that were going to prove that. See, most of you all are in high school and middle school here, and you guys rep your school name pretty hard, right? Right? Look at him wearing a short sleeve shirt saying Nicky Rowe on it. Okay, cool. But... Repping your school name hard means you're going to bash other schools harder, right? Yeah, Alice shaking his head. Nice. So when I say SciTech, you're immediately like, ha, nerd, right? Or when I say Sherryland, you're like, oh, <laughs> Sherryland, fresa, <laughs> right? Or when I say Tequache, your first thought is, Mackay? <laughs> really? I was want to say Rio and point at Ivan, but, <laughs> right? But you see, we have these stereotypes attached to us. We had nothing to do with them. You know, I went to Sherryland. I had nothing to do with the stereotype of Sherryland being a bunch of fresas. I literally just went there. I had no idea what it was or what it had been, but I was given a reputation because I literally just went to the school. I didn't do anything bad. I didn't do anything of importance there, but I was still given this reputation, a reputation that I had nothing to do with, but was still attached to because I was in a certain location. Now imagine the reputation that is given to you because of your last name. See, look at Jesus' family tree 
and everyone in it. Now, we already talked about David and how he led a man to death because, you know, he committed adultery or Solomon and his, most, and his multiple wives. But despite Jesus' messy family tree, those things didn't define him. See, what is your family known for? What are you known for? Jesus wasn't defined by what his ancestors did and the stereotypes that were attached to him weren't carried on by him. Instead, he broke it and lived a perfect life to die on a cross for us. And at the end of the day, your identity isn't tied to your last name or your school or what you do after school. See, if you're a true believer in this room, your identity is rooted in Christ. See, this brings me to my third and final point is that your family tree doesn't define you. Consider what you and your family are known for. All right, just consider it for a moment. You know, my family known, is known for being that British guy that walks in every now and then into the cafe, right? You've seen him around, I know you have. But what is your family known for? How do you introduce yourself or how would someone else in this room introduce you? Think about that. Is it a reputation that you're proud of, a reputation that you want to uphold? Or is it a reputation that you just want to get rid of? A reputation that you want to step away from? See, in becoming part of our family by becoming human, Jesus took on a reputation of sin and brokenness. He didn't earn that. He didn't deserve that. He lived a perfect life. He was God himself who came to walk with us. Yet Jesus took on this reputation of sin and brokenness and he gave us his reputation of holiness and righteousness, which we didn't deserve and which we didn't earn. You see, Jesus not only gives us a new status as part of his family, but he offers us the chances to change what we have been, to go by the name he calls us instead. It even gets to the point in the Bible where Jesus literally took people's identities and he's like, Nah, that's not your name anymore, fam. This is not your name. Look at Saul and how he was a murderer of a bunch of Christians. And then Jesus and God used him and he became Paul, right? Or you look at Simon who became Peter in John chapter one. One of the two who heard Jesus speak and follow Jesus was Andrew, Simon, Peter's brother. He first, found, he, found, he first found his own brother, Simon, and said to him, we have found the Messiah, which means Christ. He brought him to Jesus and Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Peter. See, there is new identity given to you in Christ. If you aren't a believer in, you, in this room, you know, you could have that new identity too. It's as easy as confessing that one, you're a sinner, you're broken. The identity that you have right now is not enough. And two, Jesus died on a cross to welcome you into a family family of other believers, a family with a new identity. And in closing, <laughs> Jesus was a promised savior long before Mary and Joseph even came into the picture. See, there are deep and intentional connections between everyone in the lineage of Jesus. This is a man that Israel was waiting for for so many years. See, this was a man that Psalmist wrote about and, you know, a man that Psalm is saying about. See, this is a story of hope and faithfulness that is almost 2,000 years in the making. And Matthew summarized it in the first 17 lines in his gospel by listing out a bunch of names. And 
to be honest with you guys, when Eli walked up to me, or me and Eli were actually at Reserva, which is a big surprise because I don't go to Reserva. I was like, what? He went to Reserva? Yeah, so me and Eli were hanging out at Reserva um, last week on Wednesday when he gave me the sermon. And I was like, man, dude, so where are you going? He's like, I'm going to Austin. I was like, all right, cool. He's like, you want to preach on Wednesday? I was like, all right, cool. He's like, it's about the genealogy of Jesus. And it's like, uh, say what now? You see, I was in this situation where I didn't really know what the genealogy of Jesus had entailed, you know? The stories and the weight behind it, the God, the God of promises that is told throughout this genealogy. See, I urge you guys, please read your Bibles. You know, your Bible is such a powerful thing, but how can you use it if you never read it? See, I read, I read my Bible, right? I try to at least every single day, but this is the first time I actually noticed like huge gaps in my biblical knowledge. And I was like, man, I don't know half of these people in this genealogy. And there, have, there are stories that I have no idea about and promises that God made which were fulfilled and I have no grasp of them whatsoever. So dear fellow Christian, I urge you, please read your Bible. Read the Old Testament because the Old Testament has so much weight, so much content in it that it's just so amazing you how it references the New Testament so perfectly. You know, God has a Bible of intentionality. And through this, we could see all his promises and all his characteristics and fully see like, wow, this is God. So won't pray us out. We're going to go to small groups real quick. And yeah. So dear God, I just want to thank you for today. Thank you for everything that you've shown us, everything that you know, we get to do today, God. I pray that you know, as we go into the time of small groups, that our hearts are softened, that we get to see you know, what does our family tree mean to us? Who are we in our identity in you, God? God, I just pray that we get to fully grasp what, who you are, God, and see all your characteristics, Lord. So God, thank you for today and thank you for everything that you've done. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.